It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A -a one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome into the PBH and Extra Sun Show, where Flex is afraid of Gerald. I'm your host, Expo. It's Saul, Flex, and Gerald. Gentlemen, how are you? It's been a little while since we've been here to talk Suns. Yeah. Feels like a whole like week. It does. It yeah. was two days, but it, it feels like a lifetime. It does. Feeling good. Got the, got the, got the brothers together and mm-hmm. chilling. You, I wouldn't call it what you call it. But <laughs> what do you call it? Chilling with the fellas. That's yeah. what I call it. Mm-hmm. What does he call it? He right. was like... Called us a bunch of bitches the other day. <laughs> <laughs> Did you say that? Did you say that? I remember that. What? what? He said, "What's up, bitches?" He said, "Why, why did I say that?" That's what he who, said. Who was the Who was the one that? Uh, that came from somewhere. There was a reason for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was because uh, of the fan that oh, called yeah. KD. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then oh. I said, it's okay. I host a sports podcast, which is what that guy yeah. said. Yeah. Can yeah. I text your wife and say, hey, uh, Espo was chilling with the bitches today? No. <laughs> well, no. No, I don't think Context so. I about it. Good. I thought about it. <laughs> what? As long as there's a photo of you three guys. Yeah, sure. Do you want to explain why you're afraid of, of Gerald or should we just move? On. Yeah, I mean, Gerald's just perfectionist, and I'm sometimes I'm bad with my, sometimes my words, you know. I, Gerald, that journalist degree, man, journalism degree, man. I'm scared sometimes. I put things out there, and I'm like, damn, G about to text me or something. We've all been there. I'm glad we have that context. I didn't want people to think I was just like beating Flex up before we started the show or something. Yeah, that too. But I'll never please your tweets, Flex. Tweets are I appreciate you, bro. Appreciate. Let's let's talk about practice. Mm-hmm. Where Gerald is in his element. Uh, yes. Where uh, there were some uh, injury updates. Uh, what did you hear from Coach today, General? Yeah. So Bradley Beal, obviously, yesterday we heard from him, and he's been doing the non-contact stuff in practice. They didn't do a con- ton of contact stuff today, uh, but he has been getting full court sprints in. He has been doing some of the quick twitch stuff, like their defensive shell drill, just no contact yet. Um, he is questionable for tomorrow. Same with Eric Gordon. Same deal with him. He's been doing non-contact stuff in practice as well. He's still dealing with the groin soreness. And then Yusuf Nurkic, uh, he was doing non-contact stuff as well. All of it yesterday, he's still kind of dealing with some soreness in the ankle. But uh, for tomorrow, he should be good to go. It shouldn't be anything that impedes him from playing. But Gordon and Beal, still questionable. It's all about how their bodies respond to the work the day after the fact, so mm-hmm. it's not really something they can project just yet. How are you guys feeling about that? Any concern with Beal at this point that he's not listed as probable or good to go and is still listed as questionable? Nope. No. None at all. Zero. 
Yeah. I've never had any issues with Bradley Beal being hurt. Well, I, I don't I feel... mean like, I just mean that this may be lasting longer than no. people had let on. I mean, this seems to be a son's tradition now. Oh, yeah, not a big deal. And then it's like, and two weeks later, we're mm. still waiting to find out day uh, to day. when when they're coming back. But yeah. I'm not I'm not overly worried either. And I actually kind of, I'm just going to say this, I kind of like that Royce gets some opportunity here with uh, with EG out and and with Beal that he gets an opportunity uh, to start with those guys because as we'll talk about it a little bit later it gives you some insight into what lineups could look like but we did hear from KD as well today and I know there's been some concern not from this group but from others about his shooting over the last handful of games he addressed uh, his shooting today at practice. Oh, it's just a mental thing okay. um, more than anything. Um, when you, t- you take bad threes, I think that's what got me the last few games, taking taking bad threes. Because if you take away the three-point percentage, I'm like shooting high percentage inside the line, you know? So a lot of times when I'm not shooting well is that I'm rushing threes and trying to shoot heat checks and, and trying to, I think I, I, I was 10 for 19 in, in the Houston game, I remember. Then I shot two bad, like deep threes, just like as soon as I caught it instead of, you know, I was putting pressure on the rim. I should have put more pressure on the rim, and then maybe that third three would have went down, you know. So it's just a mental thing, a, a shot selection thing. I can work on my shot all day, but if I take horrible shots over three people, they're not going to go in, you know what I'm saying? So it's about how I approach the game more so than, like, you know, at this point in my career, just getting extra work in. You know, I know how to shoot the ball already. I love hearing KD talk about his game because he's a really self-aware player and the way that he breaks certain things down, like, it's basically similar to what we've been saying, or and some of us haven't even been saying it, but I did look at the numbers, and he's right. Like, just taking the three-point percentage out really raises it. He's shooting 41% overall, but he's shooting 22% from three and 51% from two. So yeah. it's one of those things where you clean up the bad threes. We talked about it in the Rockets game. It felt like there were a couple where they forced an isolation ball or just shot a quick three. Um, so take those out, and the numbers come back up to where we're used to seeing them be for him. Yeah. No, nah, I'm not worried about Kevin. It's it's literally the three ball. Mm-hmm. He nailed it. And, and you're right. I love hearing him break down his game. There's a humbleness to it. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a humbleness to it. The guy's one of the greatest to ever do it, yet he still recognizes that there's parts of his game and moments where you just disconnect and you kind of just got to find yourself. I think he nailed it, too. I think it's a lot of mental. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it gets in their head and he's a low rut, um, but he'll be fine. Um, Kevin Durant's one of the best to ever do it. It's not just the threes. It was the the threes that he was taking. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of them were just super forced, like all fast breaks. Yeah. And it like it felt like he was rushing his 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 you know mechanics mm-hmm. to a certain degree, uh, which was just very unkd like. Yeah. It felt like we could tell he was about to miss a shot every time yeah. he shot the three because of the way he went yeah. about doing it. It pressing. just didn't seem like it was it was normal KD stuff. So it, he knows. And he, he can fix it because he's one of the greatest of, of all time. So I'm not concerned whatsoever. But that's I, I love that he is self-aware that it can basically go back and tell you exactly yeah. what <laughs> shots were yeah. the wrong ones and, and realize that. because And I think these handful of days off between games, too, probably helps because you can clear clear your mentals, kind of look at, at the tape and and put yourself in a position where you're not pressing as much. And he also talked about his work ethic, which comes into play when trying to overcome a slump like this. I, was just, I mean, since I was eight, nine years old, I've been grooming my routine as a player, you know, so I've always 
uh, value practice time. Uh, my, my godfather, who taught me how to play the game, just instilled that into my mom and my dad, too. So it's always about practice. I mean, it's cliche, but practice makes perfect, and I always try to take that mentality on. So. Still hear his voice all, all the time, and then I go to my phone out to practice, and I see his text. You know? <laughs> so he's—I mean, we—it's just grateful to have people that are, that have instilled in good uh, habits, and uh, it's on me building on that foundation. Maybe I'm off base, but it's kind of crazy to hear an NBA player say, "Like, yeah, I've been building my practice habits since I was eight or nine years yeah. old. <laughs> I was playing with Legos when I was eight or nine years yeah. old." Well, that's why he's there, <laughs> and you're yeah. asking him the questions. Well, that and the you know. <laughs> whole foot of height difference yeah. there. But. If you just worked harder, you could have been there, General. I, so. <laughs> I, I, I love that he can still go back that far mm -hmm. and and grab things from even that moment mm -hmm. and correct himself as a pro now at 35. Mm -hmm. Like, it, it's, it's crazy. Basketball is pretty simple. Sometimes what you've learned at the very beginning, it stands the test of time. And you can just go back and be like, yeah, I remember how I did things when I was 8 and 10 and 12. And, yeah, maybe I got to go back into that space. And, and I, I, you know, I will say this. Uh, Kevin's very self-aware of mm -hmm. his game. And like Saul said, you can tell he was kind of off the last couple games with the three ball. And I think the one thing I think he might admit that he tried to do is he tried to force – where he tried to rush his way out of the rut. Mm -hmm. Like, it was like, okay, I, I'm tired of this. I'm just going to, once one goes in, because I've been <laughs> in that spot where you feel like, all I got to do is make one. Mm. And then and then everything's correct. And it feels like the last couple games, he's just been taking shots that he probably knows are bad shots, um, trying to force his way out of this rut, as opposed to just letting the game come to him and organically let it happen. So a couple days off, I think I'll fix that. I and think Katie would be fine. That's how I approach my jokes on the show, too. When one doesn't fall, I just keep I rapid just keep fire. Going. Just yeah. keep going. He's a volume uh, shooter. <laughs> I am. and don't hit very often. Uh, I, I do like that the same people that kind of taught him uh, as a young age still yeah. are holding him accountable. Too. Yeah. yeah. There's something wholesome about that when you think of one of the greatest <laughs> players ever, that mm -hmm. his uncle still being like, hope you were practicing well because that <laughs> shot sucked the other night. You know, I... I don't know how I would react in that situation. Like if my dad was like, "You missed that jumper. You got you got to get back to work." I'd be like, "Dad, I'm a top five player." Of all would time. you really? <laughs> Please shut up. Yeah. Would you really? Please shut up. Yeah, I would. I think I would. You would? I think I'd be that dude. Okay. It's like, Dad, I'm, I'm fully like, grown. I'm an I'm like, NBA legend. You don't understand the pressures of being me. Yeah. Stop. Yeah. I think it's okay. I will say this. I think it's one mm. thing if it's your dad or your mom. I think it's another thing if it's like an uncle. It's that, worse. Like, I, no, I but, don't know, but man. You, no, it's but here's the, the thing. Stop. Go away. It's depending on what is in the text. Like, if he's sending them, like, did you practice your free throws? Be like, Godfather, leave me alone. <laughs> like, I'm a 90% free throw shooter. I tell you what. I, 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 do, I do think it's more like, hey, I'm noticing this on your shot. Mm-hmm. Or I'm noticing that, or right. I'm noticing your foot placement here. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm serious. No, because these are the guys <laughs> that taught him. Mm -hmm. Like they know his shot. I, I'm gonna be honest. I like, and this this is gonna sound stupid, and not KD's level, but <laughs> I taught my son how to shoot. Mm -hmm. No one taught me how to shoot, mm -hmm. but I taught my son how to shoot. And I can go to a game within five minutes and look at my son and quickly diagnose something that that's off on his shot. Mm -hmm. And there have been plenty of times in games where halftime, hey, bro, like, this is what's up. 
And it's just a reminder. It's just a reminder. It's like a golf swing. No, you're good, man. Keep going. No, I'm it's serious. Like a it's just swing. a reminder. Yeah, it's just a reminder. It's like, bro, you're you're shooting your shot, but you're not doing this. And it's like, okay, bang, got it. Like I, sometimes they forget, and sometimes they they lose their mechanical, you know, the mechanicalness. Is that a word? <laughs> mechanics. Mechanics. Sure. mechanics. Mechanics. I got you. <laughs> My bad. Gerald will text like, you about it I later. I sound like Don't Charles worry. Barkley right now. <laughs> but no, the mechanics of it, sometimes they'll lose it. And it's somebody from the outside that can see it mm. clearer. And they'll be like, yo, this is what you're doing. Okay, thanks. I appreciate you, dog. You've been teaching me since I was eight. You know my shot as good as me. Did got he, you. Did he respond the same way when you got out of Attica? <laughs> this fucking guy. <laughs> <laughs> this fucking guy. You can't tell me, though, that book. Real mean, ones know what that means. Oh, I, I got it. Uh, Mel, you can't tell me that book one. I, I get it. It's different because Melvin played professionally, but I'm sure it depends on the message and the messenger, right? If his yeah. uncle's saying, hey, you're pressing, remember, slow down, just think, right? Yeah. I think it's different than your form sucks. Yeah. <laughs> you need to do this. <laughs> but Melvin saying something to book who played the game, probably, uh, you know, you can get a little bit more in the weeds with mechanics. Oh, and man, I'd be talking so. so much shit. If, if I was in the NBA, my dad used to play in the NBA. Like, if I was Steph Curry, I'd be like, Dad, you can't tell me shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's, yo, that, I, I'm so fucking intrigued by that. <laughs> because I'm like, I'm like, yes, I could, dog. I'm the one that showed you how to shoot this basketball. Yeah, and then I took what you taught me, and I made it better. <laughs> but, hey, true. We'll, we'll get no, into, he, he did elevate it. You were 100% that guy. <laughs> we'll get into the saw book. Bookman psychology a little bit later. But speaking of progress, Frank Vogel discussed what the team's progress has been of late and how he likes what's going on. Great. I feel great with where we're at except for health. You know, we just want to get everybody back. But, you know, the goal is to be healthy in, in April. You know, that's, that's the number one goal. So well, however long that takes to, you know, to get there and make sure these things are behind us, you know, we're willing to wait. Um, but I like how we're growing. Uh, in all areas, honestly. Now, I want to preface this with the fact that earlier in his media availability today, he talked a lot about how, like, we're we're taking every game seriously. We're not trying to just, like, look ahead to the playoffs and, you know, skip through these games, look at long-term progress. Like, they're trying to win now, for sure. Um, but they do have their eyes set on what's important, and it's getting healthy for the right time of year, peaking at the right time of year. They do feel like they're progressing even with Beal out. And they're hopeful that he's going to be back soon and can continue to build on what they've been showing over, you know, since late December at this point. Yeah, I, I like where they're at. And I like that they're still experimenting. Mm -hmm. They got to win these games. Mm -hmm. I, I, we're at a point now where I do think they're being very cautious about where they can end up matchup-wise, how the standings are looking. Um, I do think this is a different team. It's crazy to say this, but we played Houston on Friday, mm -hmm. right? I do think that this is a different team than they were on Friday. Um, and it's, it's crazy to think a couple of days can change that. But um, I, I like what he said yesterday about playing Houston on Thursday and Saturday. Mm -hmm. And the fact that it reminds them of a little bit of kind of a playoff series mm -hmm. where you kind of get like a little bit of a, hey, I got you on Thursday, I get you on Saturday, back-to-back -back games. Um, it's not a playoff series, but it's kind of like a little bit of a litmus test or a little bit of a little practice against that. So um, I like where their mind is at. That's that's what I'm saying. I, I think they're in a good place mentally. And when they get healthy, yeah, I'm 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 I, I feel like this team is about to go on a run. I, I hope you're right. Um, to me, the jury's still out. 
you know, I, I got to see, I got to see, I want to see them string together, uh, you know, big wins. Uh, it's not it, Houston's Houston. Like yeah. you should beat Houston. You should take care of that. You didn't last week, but I think they'll learn their lesson. I think they will win these two games. It's Sunday that I'm really excited about yeah. and OKC and seeing how they match up with a team like Oklahoma City and what I feel like is going to be kind of a playoff type atmosphere. Mm -hmm. uh, Sunday, there's nothing else going on. You're the only show in town. Let, let, let's get it. I want to see this, yeah. especially with Shea getting all the love that he's getting. You got to imagine to some degree. Well, first of all, I know Suns fans are like, but, 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 you know, when it comes to Shea Gilch's Alexander versus Devin Booker, mm. when he was having uh, a bunch of success and let's see it on the court now. Mm. I'm, I'm really anxious to see this. Yeah. You know what I think? Hmm. Damn, that guy was going to be a son. And then Robert Sarver fucked huh. us up. Uh, <sighs> you got lied to today <clears throat> in practice. Did I? You got lied to by Frank Vogel, okay. who told you guys a tall tale about how Manute Bull mm -hmm. was his first uh, first autograph mm -hmm. at the age of five, mm -hmm. which is impossible due to math, mm -hmm. all right? Oh, because Frank Vogel, uh, at five years of age, would have put Manute Bull at 16. He was not playing professional <laughs> basketball at 16. Mm -hmm. He also said it was in the USBL, right? Was mm -hmm. that the league he said that Manute was playing in in Rhode Island? I, I think so, yeah. yeah he said it, Rhode Island. It was. Mm -hmm. That league didn't start till 1985. So Frank lied to you guys. He wait, was wait, 12. Wait, wait, wait. But wait, I, wait, I wait, lived, wait. Uh, so he messed up. Yeah, he was 12. In, he, he had he to 12. have been 12, right? Yes. Looking like, at the math, he had to have been 12. <laughs> the math doesn't work that but he was like, five. When you get to a certain age, don't yeah, you just you refer? Forget. Like, yeah. I always refer to myself. I was like, hey, when I was eight or nine, I was doing this. this, this. Yeah, but five and 12 remember. are significantly <laughs> different. He said he didn't know what an autograph was, and he went up. Uh, and his dad told him to go ask Manute Bull for his autograph. You, you in a tell restaurant. me it's different when you get mm -hmm. into your fifties. You're not in your fifties. How the hell would I you I can't know? remember that shit right now. <laughs> but I'm, I'm telling you. I'm saying so. five and twelve is significantly different, and I didn't know what an autograph was mm. at twelve. Seems ridiculous where it doesn't at five. I think I he's, mean, he he convoluted this entire story and like, told Bull that he, God, <laughs> he got his dad's autograph I when he was ridiculous five. Ridiculous You don't flex it. He was sitting oh in the God. office. And I, was it you that said this to me? I think it was you. Or was it Jacob? Somebody said to me, you're the only human being on Earth. Oh, that was you. Yeah. It was Eric. You're the only human being on Earth. But that's what you would have taken away yeah. from that. And the Absolute. second I heard it, I was like, this makes no Absolutely sense. Absolutely nobody else cares. In the back of my mind, I was like, I need to check the dates on that. But when I saw that there was a difference between 5 and 12, my reaction was not yell at Klaus. <laughs> Mine is. And I'm glad I wasn't there because I would have called Frank out right to his face. I mean, maybe 5 is that. I mean, for me, it's 8. Like... I always go back to like when I was eight. Yeah. And there was times that I did things that maybe I was ten and I wasn't eight. But it just feels like <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yes. Right. But eight, five eight, and twelve. Eight, eight was a magical year. <laughs> five and yeah. twelve. That <laughs> eight was a magical year that basically lasted between four yeah. and <laughs> Yeah, twelve. <laughs> it lasted yeah. forever. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Oh, you know what won't last forever? What? The PHNX sale that's going on right that now. That is true. If Ooh. you want some of the best shirts in the business, some of the coolest things, if you want to try to look as hot as Gerald does, <laughs> you can go get 30% off at, at phnxlocker.com. 
till the end of the day. That's the last chance you get to save on some of these great shirts uh, from all the teams, not just Suns, not just you know Cardinals, all the teams that we cover, plus the great hats and PHNX branded merchandise. So head over to phnxlocker.com uh, and save today. Uh, 30%, and uh, there's all sorts of fantastic Suns merch that you can get there. Uh, you can get the loyalty shirt that Saul's wearing, the U of A one, uh, the PHNX flag shirt. Uh, I'm wearing the Kevin Durant sugar skull under this, but uh, you don't want to see it. It's not going to sell. If I take this off and you see it, it's not going to sell the shirt. It's not That's what, what you I'm going to yeah. Well, that one looked good. I Where's looked the good in that. I was twenty pounds. I was twenty. I was twenty pounds lighter in that photo. So uh, <laughs> it was like a month ago. No, that was the original photo shoot. Thank you very you didn't much. Gain twenty pounds. I did. Time. You actually I lost did. in stress. You know, so. <laughs> stress. You know how? You know what I can do though, what? and I'm not going to gain that weight. Hmm. I enjoy good beer mm-hmm. and Michelob Ultra. There you go. Two point six carbs, ninety five calories, all taste. Uh, and I'm not uh, I'm not cheating on my diet here when I have one of these, mm-hmm. right? And that's I I love that about them. Great taste, uh, even better on the carbs and calories there. And you know you can enjoy a beer and catch up with friends, which I do all the time. I meet up with uh, one of the two friends I think I have in this life. We both share a beer. Then I see him a year later. It's yeah. real it's real fun. But if you have multiple friends, you can enjoy a Mick Ultra with them. Head over to MickUltra.com to find out how you can win superior NBA prizes and to find a Mick Ultra near you. It's only worth it if you enjoy it and enjoy responsibly. And you know what I enjoy? Mm. It's a threefer in this one. I, yeah. I enjoy Getting some savings on the gas when I go to Circle K. I did that this morning. Getting some savings. My wife took the car yesterday. I got in today and I was like, I got 20 miles and I got to drive my daughter 15 to school. Mm. I got to stop at a Circle K. I don't want to run out of gas. Yeah. Uh, and I used my Inner Circle membership. I saved five cents. On there, that's the Espo discount. You start, you get five twenty-five cents off. Then you move into the three cents off per gallon. Then you get to the Espo level uh, mm. once you do that. You're also going to get your sixth free on selections of Circle K products, pizza, coffee, ice cold fountain drinks. There's so many great things that come along uh, with it when you join the inner circle. And do that by for free by downloading the Circle K app today. Terms and conditions apply at participating locations. Visit CircleK.com for details. One thing that Gerald brought up in a fantastically researched and well-written newsletter. Yes, it's Kiss Gerald's ass day here on the program since he's in studio. Uh, You talked about lineups that we wanted to potentially see with this Suns team. And I want to take a look at them on the show today and discuss why we want to see these, how we think they could work. The first one I want to look at is Book, Beal, Grayson Allen, KD, and Nurk. Uh, this is a lineup that we've seen uh, a, a good amount, but we need to see more of these guys on the court together. And I think that's the crux of this lineup is just building more uh, more chemistry together as that starting unit. Yeah, and this is one that like wasn't part of the lineups that I want to see down the stretch, but it is one that like you, you look at to. them, they're like the starting group. They've been their preferred starting group all year, and they've been statistically dominant when they've been together. 
Um, they've got an offensive rating of 130. They've got mm-hmm. a net rating of almost plus 15, which is the fourth best among any five-man lineup in the NBA that's played at least 200 minutes together. And the fact that they're the Suns' most used lineup despite only playing 266 minutes together is kind of crazy. They haven't had a lot of continuity. So I would like to see this lineup a little bit more. They have been really good. But it's one of those things where I also want to check out some different starting lineups because we know this group works well together. We also know that they could be a little undersized against certain matchups. So uh, it's one of those things where if you need this group, you know that you have it in your back pocket. But I kind of want to see what else they can put together. Yeah, I like this group. I like this group. I just I just need to see more of it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we got 24 games left. Mm-hmm. I like to see them put together at least 20 more of consistent games with this lineup mm-hmm. uh, before the playoffs. I think this will be the lineup you see uh, day one playoffs, whoever mm-hmm. we're playing. I, I do. I believe in this lineup. Um, but I'm with you. I think that there's some wrinkles that you can play with now that we didn't have maybe a month ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm intrigued by that too. And I'm sure we'll get to some of those liners, but I, 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 I got full confidence in this lineup. I don't think we're getting 20 more games out of this. this 20? Lineup. You don't think don't, we're getting 20 I don't think we're getting 20 more games out of this lineup at all. I, in total, including playoffs? Or no, 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 no. no, 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 no of the 24 season. left. Okay. Of the 24 <laughs> left, I think 20 is is really optimistic. So what number you think? I'd probably really? say 15. 15? Yep. I think 15 would be good for this group, especially because <clears throat> A, it tells me that Beal is healthy for the most part, and B, I kind of do want them to take 5 to 10 games where they look at a different starting lineup that we'll talk about. Okay. Yeah, I. if this is the lineup that you're going to commit to as your starting lineup for the playoffs, I want to see those final 10 mm. with this with this team. Now, maybe give or take a game at the end, depending on if seating's locked up and you want to rest. But I want to, I want to feel and see that consistency over that last handful of games. But there is a world where... I would not be opposed to moving Grayson Allen to the bench mm. so you can get him more shots mm. uh, because he has not been getting enough shots in, in my estimation in particular from three in, in a lot of these games. So I could see a lineup that we'll talk about next in Book, Beal, Royce O'Neal, Katie, and Nurk that could make a lot of sense to start here and give you some more firepower with that second unit by having – Grayson out there uh, instead of uh, instead of Royce being part. Of I I I probably would opt for this more than anything else because I do think Royce is versatile enough. Uh, can can obviously he can hit the outside three. He did it quite a bit the last last game, but also you know being able to move the offense through him. Um, yeah. You know he's not gonna the ball's not gonna stick. He's he's just gonna get it to the next guy. So I'd be cool with this. Um, there's just no way, and and everybody could just stop with this if you're saying this. Uh, there's just no way Bradley Beal's going to the bench. No. There's zero chance that's going to happen, and no. he shouldn't because no. he's really, really good. Regardless of what uh, you know, some of the haters out there think like Beal is a legit player in this league. He's just he's had some injury problems. So I, I like this lineup a lot. I do like the idea of Grayson coming off the bench, um, you know, and, and then teaming up with either Beal. Um, or KD in that first six minutes um, in the second quarter. I like that a lot. So, yeah, I, I'm cool with this. Yeah, this is the lineup that I want to see for five to ten games mm-hmm. just to see what Grayson Allen looks like coming off the bench. He started every game that he's been in just to see what Royce can do with the core four because we saw him start against the Lakers, but 
Obviously, Bill wasn't a part of that. So I want to see whether his skill set translates the way that it did in that Lakers game because he was he's not going to knock down six threes every night like he did in that in that game. But if he's able to hit threes at a 40 percent clip, which he's been doing since he came to Phoenix, if he's able to defend the primary matchup on the defensive end and if he's able to move the ball the way that we've seen him do it and keep the offense humming like this is a group you have to explore because some matchups in the playoffs you're going you're going to be undersized if you have Grayson Allen in that spot so it doesn't necessarily mean that if you go to this lineup you have to stick with it it depends on matchup but you want to have some continuity with those five guys in case in a playoff series you need to start Royce depending on who you're playing yeah I like this lineup a lot Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's going to be matchup based. I think you're going to have series where Grayson is the guy you should start. And I think you're going to have series of matchups where Royce is the guy you should start. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, I I will say this. I'm, I'm a little hesitant to jump on this quite yet and Mm -hmm. say, I want Grayson on the bench because, um, I, I don't know the dynamic of Brad Beal and how that changes guys like Royce. Mm -hmm. Um, in the flow of the offense. Um, there's a lot of mouths to feed. When you got Kevin, Devin, and Brad out there, it it organically changes some of the looks and some of the attempts. We talked about how with the big three, there were games that Grayson would have six shots. And so is Royce, you know, if, if Royce is getting five, six shots like Grayson, are we really utilizing what he brings to the table? Defensively, probably probably so but offensively you you, you kind of end up in the same spot yeah but if so. you're gonna limit one of them i'd much rather limit royce's shots than yeah. grayson's shots because yeah. i feel like yeah we saw we saw royce have a, a great shooting day against the lakers on sunday but i i feel like if he's only getting six shots and he kind of fluctuates like he has at times shooting you can get away with that where if grayson's getting more shots he's proven over a, a long period of of time this season and throughout his career that he's a more consistent shooter. So I'd much rather if this lineup meant Grayson got more opportunities going to that. I also think that you need to look at this from an effective standpoint. It's not about who's the better player because Mm -hmm. Grayson to me is the better player. That's that's undeniable right now with the season he's been having. It's about how, how much more effective can these players be with what lineups and when they come off and come onto the court. And that's why you think I think that Grayson Allen would be better suited and far more effective being part of that second unit because there's going to be more opportunities for him to be able to make plays and really shoot from the outside. And we've seen games where he only gets four shots. You know why? It's because the big three are playing and he doesn't get a lot of opportunities. Right. So moving him to the bench and having him come off and and being that, you know, that very valuable six man, there's nothing wrong with that. Also, like I understand like people want, you know, People place so much emphasis on starting. Yeah, um, it's not about starting; it's about finishing. Like mm. the guys that are on the court in the last three or four minutes of the game, those are the dudes that the the coaches trust. Those are the guys that they want to roll with, and and the game is on the line with. And if Grayson's part of that, even better. So I, I don't. It's not. It's not about who's better right. because Royce O'Neal yeah, versus Grayson about. Allen is not a conversation I'm even going to have. No, because Grayson Allen's been phenomenal. It's about. Who's going to be more effective and where? And I do think that Grayson Allen would be far more effective coming off the bench than he would be in the starting lineup with this group. Yeah. I mean, we're going to see more lineups. But the irony is, is in the perfect world, I want both of them on the court. That's mm-hmm. the lineup I like. I I think that Grayson could help with the ball handling, too, in that yeah. second unit, which we've seen at times. He's 
he's done some of that. Uh, but this, to me, is more like the lineup we thought they were going to start earlier in the year where Grayson would be coming off the bench and you'd have a more defensive-minded yeah, guy KBD or in there. Like that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we thought, thought KBD, a Kogi, any of those guys Royce. didn't work out. I think Royce feels like that natural fit, and that's why I'm so intrigued by it. And maybe mm. you try it and you don't like it, or you try it and understand it's matchup dependent. But I think inflexibility will be a killer for Frank if he if he refuses to look at other lineups when it comes to a potential playoff series too, because you may just be outmatched size wise in a starting lineup where you need Royce out there. In yeah. particular, look at the Clippers. I you know I think right. the Clippers are a group that you could struggle with having Grayson as your three. Well, I look at shit. I look at the the Nuggets. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know with with uh, you know Jokic and then Aaron Gordon. Um, being big dudes, you know, MPJ doesn't really play as tough no. as, as as that. So putting KD on MPJ would be great. Have Royce try to battle up with uh, Aaron Gordon Aaron from Gordon. time to time, not yeah. consistently because Aaron Gordon's just a bigger dude. But yeah. you know, I think Royce could hold his own against him for sure. Yeah, and, and that's my biggest thing is like even if you stick with Grayson, because like I said, that starting lineup you've run with for most of the season is really good together. You just need to experiment. Like that's what. Frank has been doing all season. Mm-hmm. He's tried a bunch of different lineups to see what works, to see what doesn't. It's part of the reason the Suns felt the need to trade for Royce O'Neal at the trade deadline because they had tried all these different things and a lot of the guys they shipped out weren't performing up to what yeah. they needed from them. So I do want to just see it. Even if you don't stick with it, it could be matchup-based. That's what Frank Vogel said. He had a lot of things to say about these different lineups in the newsletter that I included there. Um, but you just got to give it a shot and see, can Grayson Allen handle the six-man role, or is he best utilized spacing the floor with the big three, that type of thing? Yeah, the next one that we're going to look at is one we'll probably see tomorrow night. It's uh, Devin Booker, Grayson Allen, Royce O'Neal, KD, and Nurk with Bradley Beal out uh, likely, and Eric Gordon likely out again. We saw this lineup the other day. I like this one. Again, it, it's the same kind of situation as the previous one uh, with the way it works, but they look pretty good against the Lakers. I love this one. Mm-hmm. I just finished saying I want to see Grayson and Royce together. Mm-hmm. Like, to me, they complement each other well. The thing that I like about Grayson Allen, we talked about it the other day, is um, he's to me, he's just one of the most cerebral basketball players on the team. He just he just does so many things, makes everything look easy. It's a consummate pro, uh, doesn't make many mistakes. And I think that's what this basketball team, that's been the Achilles heel. Mm-hmm. The Achilles heel has been you play good and then you go out there and you have four or five weird possessions and turnovers, things start to happen. I just feel like Grayson has always been that calming factor. And when you put them together, that looked dynamite the other day. Um, there's another lineup with, with them together where we go small that I like a lot too. But I think that's the beauty of what Frank's about to do. He, in the next 24, I think he'll experiment with this. I love this lineup. This should be the starting lineup f- until Bradley Beal returns. Mm-hmm. Um, and the biggest potential obstacle to that is the couple of games, first games with Royce where Beal wasn't there. They started Eric Gordon in yeah. Royce's place. And as much as it's very true that that Eric Gordon has been a lot better and a lot more efficient with the starters because he's getting more minutes, he's getting more touches, he's a rhythm player, 
you need him to figure it out coming off the bench because he's not going to be in the starting group. And if he is in the playoffs and something went real wrong with the injuries or the lineups. So I would like this group that we saw against the Lakers to be the starting group, even if EG does play tomorrow. Yeah, Agreed. I, I think we're going to get a couple quirky, I'll call them quirky yeah, yes. <laughs> lineups for our last two. And the first one is Devin Booker, Bradley Beal, Bull Bull, mm-hmm. KD, and Nurk. I like to call this the Hands Across America lineup because <laughs> you have those very large gentlemen that could basically mm-hmm. link arms and uh, and stop anybody at half court with this group. Yes, and to clarify, this is not a starting lineup. You are no. not going to start Bull Bull with this group. But we have seen the Bull Bull, KD, Nurkic trio share the court together a little bit, and I think they're in, across three different lineups. They're a plus six in 14 minutes, so very small sample size. But that group has a ton of length defensively that can make it hard for ball handlers to get into the lane and find open passing lanes. Bull being able to play the four has been huge because coming into this year, I honestly thought he could only play the five, and I didn't think he was cut out to be a defensive anchor. But if he has the length and the long strides to kind of keep up with fours off the dribble and contain the ball in that way, and then the secondary rim protection that he brings... Like, Nurk has been a lot better than anticipated defending the rim. Bull's been a great secondary rim protector. And then you got another near seven-footer in KD who can do the same thing and has been tackling a lot of those defensive challenges. So as much as this is not in any way, shape, or form a starting lineup, it would be fun to see that group of seven-footers with Booker and Beal and see what they're able to do together. I love it. I love mm-hmm. it. We haven't seen a lot of it, but I love it. It's scary as hell. <laughs> it it yeah. is. It's scary. It's intimidating. It's fun. Mm-hmm. It's fun. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. I mean, good luck. I mean, that's that's a hard lineup to deal with, mm-hmm. especially when you got a guy like Bobo and guys like Bobo and KD that can stretch the floor and beat you from pretty much anywhere on the floor. Bobo's starting to have a really good feel for when to pump fake and when they drive him off that line, when to put the ball on the ground and mm-hmm. apply pressure, little floaters. And so if he's doing that, man, they're really dangerous. And we saw Nurk the other day. That best, That's the best version of Nurk, right, when he's mm-hmm. being physical. And so if the Suns – I tell you when I like this lineup. Suns are up eight, ten points. Mm-hmm. Throw that lineup in there. Mm-hmm. Throw that lineup in there. They can score with anybody, and they're just going to be a nightmare defensively. So I, I'd love to see that uh, six, seven minutes a game, mm-hmm. right? I don't know if that's too much, but... Uh, maybe maybe like three to four, maybe five if it's going really well. But like I, mean, I wrote about this for diehards over at gophnx.com, did a real deep dive into Bull and how he's gotten to this point from fan favorite to legit rotation player. But... Mm-hmm. He's been legitimately good over the last couple of weeks when he's been out there. Like he looks like he's a part of the playoff rotation. The three-point shooting kind of has to hold up for him. He's shot a really good percentage over this stretch, but like you said, his ability to attack closeouts when they do come at him and drive to the basket, he's got really great body control. The secondary rim protection's been great. So, if he's able to hold up, I think this is the type of experimental lineup that you would like to take a look at. And I know Vogel has said they feel it's a compelling group together. Mm-hmm. I I want to see it against Denver too, because it's a grudge match <laughs> lineup. Because you got Nurk and Bull, who mm-hmm. were both jettisoned. Katie and Book, who lost to this team last year in the playoffs. I I, I think it'd be fun <laughs> to, to watch them try to, uh, you know, 
cancel some debts there. I, mm. I try, try to get some revenge against them, but it's a fun lineup to watch. I've enjoyed what Bull's been able to do with them, uh, but it brings us to our final one. Devin Booker, Bradley Beal, Grayson Allen, Royce O'Neal, and KD, where there you put KD we at the go, five. <laughs> this is the one I knew you were waiting go, for, baby. Flex. That's my, that's my sweet baby angel, whatever the hell y'all call it. That's it right there. <laughs> That's it. That's that's the lineup I think is gonna cause nightmares for people in the playoffs. It is small, right? Mm. You got anytime you got KD at the five, you gotta be a little worried. But um, I man, I, I tell you what, I think that's gonna be the lineup that's gonna close a lot of playoff games. I really do. I, I think that's the lineup. I like the lineup, mm. um, but again, this lineup you have got to push the tempo with mm -hmm. because if you're sitting there playing half court, fuck that. Because yep. yeah. you will get murdered. Agreed. Yeah. Because and we've seen that from time to time when they went small, small and they're playing these teams that try to slow it down or they try to bully ball them down low. They've been effective, and so if you don't push the ball, you're you're done. So mm -hmm. uh, with this lineup, yeah, absolutely, you got to go, 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 go. Tell Devin not to walk the ball up. You could just you got to play with some some pace. So I'm cool with this lineup, but only in spurts. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't want to see it for a long period of time. Like I think. Two, three, four minutes max, and then then you're out of it. This is a lineup, or at least KD at the five. I know there's limited minutes with Royce being in there, but KD at the five hasn't been a, as effective as people think, though, advanced analytics, right? Sort of. Um, those numbers are foggy because a lot of the lineups that were bad with KD at the five included, you know, guys that are not here like KBD, yeah. uh, Jordan Goodwin. Uh, they also included Chemezi Metu in that group, even though Chemezi was mostly playing the five when he was sharing the court with KD. If you take out those guys that are no longer on the team, and if you take out the centers, Nurkic, Drew Eubanks, Azubuki, Metu, and Thaddeus Young, they're a plus 17 in 130 minutes when KD plays the five. So not tremendous, not blowing anybody away, but it's good, and it's a change of pace, and it's something you are going to have to consider on the nights where Nurk's in foul trouble or where it's a bad matchup or where he and Eubanks just don't have it um, or Eubanks even just doesn't have it and you need a change of pace. I think with Thaddeus Young, he's supposed to bring that, but as of right now, it feels like Frank Vogel views him as kind of a third change of pitch option, and I don't know that he's going to be part of the rotation yet. So we need to see Thad Young prove himself to Vogel first before we can say, we can go small with that at the five. I think KD at the five is still their best option if you want to go nuclear. And, and to your point, Saul, like, yes, you have to push the pace. You have to get up a lot of threes, too, because yeah. that's the whole point yeah. of having a lineup like that is you have anybody that can set a screen and pop at any time launching threes. And if you look at their record this season based on how many threes they attempt, they're five and one when they attempt 40 or more. They're 17 and 13 when they attempt in between 30 and 39. And they're only 12 and 10 when they attempt less than 33. So you got to get them up if you put that group out there. I just wonder, to your point, you got to push the pace with that lineup. Can you do that in the playoffs when things get mm -hmm. a little tighter, when that when it turns into more of a, a half-court game? And does that render this less effective at that point? Yeah, I think you can. But again, it has to be in spurts. If you, if you give them a steady diet of it, then it's not going to be as effective as you'd like it to be. Um, it also it is matchup dependent for sure. You know, I could see them using a lineup like this against like an OKC um, just to kind of speed the tempo up a little bit. Uh, you know, a, a team that doesn't have like a dominant big man for sure. So I, I like that. But, you know, you got to be very selective about when you're going to use this lineup for sure. Yeah, I don't think you're going against Minnesota. Right no. Now. 
Probably not. <laughs> oh, I mean, to, maybe. maybe to run them you a might. little bit, but yeah, you might. You're, gonna, you're leaving a lot of size you on might. the table, so it, it'll get interesting. It's going to be a chess match, and that's why you got to try a lot of these lineups before the end of the year because you're going to wind up in positions where you're going to have to get creative, and Frank needs to know what he has at his disposal. You wish there was more than 24 games to do it in, but this is the hand you've been dealt, so you got to try to figure it out. I know I would like this lineup instead of randomly substituting Drew Eubanks for no reason against Houston. <laughs> this is true. I Yeah. I got to tell you guys, no fancy transition this time. Just get oh, no. down. I'm just prize picks has been something that I have really, <laughs> really begun to enjoy. It's become, I for me, the best daily fantasy sports app I've used. And I've tried okay. a bunch of them, but I've had so much fun uh, with the more or less and trying to figure out, you know, is this guy going to have more points or less points? I like the simplicity of it, right? And I got. I've I've had success. I'll okay. say that. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna give you the digits. I don't want to make anybody jealous. But uh, yeah. I've had. I've had success when it comes to prize picks, and it's been uh, fantastic. And uh, you know, I I love the fact that they have these uh, community plays where you can uh, do things with with other guys and and gals that are in the app uh, and, and do that uh, under the promo tab. It's super easy. To use and I I love that I can get my money out quick. Mm, it's a selfish yeah. thing, but they're good really thing. good at that as well. So I highly recommend you check out uh, Prize Picks and do it as soon as possible. Download the app, use the code PHNX. Uh, you can get a deposit match. It's a lot of fun. So check it out at PrizePicks.com/PHNX. And then I like to take my winnings to our friends over at OG's Brands and enjoy. Uh, some of their great scratch-made uh, THC gummies. I am a guy that's nervous, as you all know, and these help me out quite a lot. I wish I had taken one before the show uh, for my ad transitions today, but they've got some really great new products uh, that are out there. If you're vegan, they got a gummy for you now. Uh, it is made with live rosin and available in sweet clementine, an unbelievable flavor. And then uh, they also have... The mega version, uh, it is the 100 milligrams, 10 slices on there. Don't take it all at once. Take a slice. Mm -hmm. But it is fantastic. So to learn more about OG's gummies and where you can find them, head over to ogsbrands.com. Uh, big topic of discussion yesterday online was uh, Tim Bontemps bringing up the fact that the NBA is looking at how to fix the offensive outbursts in the league. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to say this right off the top. I think this is one of the most asinine things I've ever heard. Oh, boy. Offense is what's bringing people in the door. Mm. The last time we saw just a defensive-minded NBA in, uh, what was that, 2004, where it was Spurs and, uh, and Detroit. Yeah. Uh, I believe they averaged about 94 points a game uh, in that finals, and it was the lowest-rated uh, fi NBA finals in history. Mm. People don't like defensive basketball in that way. And uh, let's look at, there's a great graph that shows the net rating of the NBA over the la offensive rating over the last uh, hmm. 20 years or so. It's pretty insane how, how fast it has risen uh, from that early 2000s until now, thanks to a lot of changes. But do you guys feel that offense is a problem that the NBA is dealing with? Um, to a certain degree, yes, because I feel like there's just, listen, every little tic-tac call 
leads to more free throws, which increases scoring. Mm -hmm. And that's what I don't like. Like, you know, if somebody has their hand on the hip, get the hell out of here. That's not a foul. Like, just let that go. It's not a big deal. Mm -hmm. But there's so many calls in these games. That's the thing that I don't like is the games just drag on sometimes, depending on what officials you get. So I and I want to see a little bit more physicality. I do. And I think the I need I think the league, I understand the league and the the direction they wanted to go after like the 90s and the in the early 2000s when things got a little too out of pocket and guys were fighting going to the stands even like it, it got a little crazy right but i don't think there's anything wrong with you know i don't know yusuf nurkish knocking the fuck out of draymond green every now and then i would love to see that i would love to see that i would pay good money to see that so mm. Well, I think would, that can be one rule we allow. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> I just – I would like to see guys playing a little bit more physical, a little tougher. Um, it, it shouldn't be so much of a finesse game. And I think we've gotten to the point where we we overcorrected. I want to see a little bit more hand-checking, a little bit more, you know, a little, th- little elbow to the, to, the, to the lower back and make them think a little bit. Yeah. I, I want changes. Yeah. I want changes. I want to go back to the old school basketball. Oh no, I do. <laughs> I do. I but like the, uh, offense. Let me, wasn't let me explain. Slow in the eighties, no. Right? So no, it was. I mean, there was there was a little bit like you had the Nuggets and the Suns were always revving it up. The you Lakers were too. Lakers Showtime, yeah. But here's here's the thing: uh, when you took hand checking away, uh, you changed the game dramatically. Not allowing people to get physical ninety four feet, it changed everything. Uh, I just feel like this brand of basketball, this is just my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a three-point shooting contest. Yeah. Okay? You could you can go to any random game at any time and just look at who shot more threes and who made more threes, and that's probably who won. So it becomes a glorified three-point shooting contest. That's one. Number two, like Saul said, way too many free throws. And it's watered down what I think is a beautiful game that I fell in love with. And I, I'll say this. When I was young... Somebody scored 20, it was a big deal. It was it was a big deal. You score 20, you, you, you score 30, yeah, you the man. Yeah, but back Bro, when, we're getting 40-point triple-doubles nightly. Come on, back when you were a kid, Wilt was dropping 60 on people. What? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I wasn't around. I wasn't this around guy. for Wilt, though. He, but saw, it's he just, saw his lane and he couldn't yeah. resist. No, nope. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, just, I just feel like it's, it's not – like I, I hate the argument – People talk about this era of player and the old players, and they're like, well, look what they're doing. And and I'm like, man, like, I remember when it was a big deal to have a player get a triple-double. Mm. It was like everything you talked about. Yo, did you see last night? Bird had a triple-double. Magic had a triple-double. Mike had a triple-double. We got guys averaging insane triple-doubles for a whole season. Oscar Robinson was was a god to me. Because of the way he did it under the circumstances he did it. It's just watered down now. It's it's not it's not a game I enjoy. Um, and I think that you don't have to completely eliminate the way the game is being played now. But I think if you incorporate some of the stuff from the past and you find that nice little middle ground, uh, the game will be a lot better. It'll be more competitive. And I, I think I think you'll appreciate talent more. I think mm-hmm. that's my biggest problem is that people don't appreciate greatness now because so many randoms are able to do it based on the way the game is played. Does so, that make sense? Yeah, it makes yeah, sense. It I think 
I think part of that not appreciating greatness is just part of the social media landscape that wasn't around back then, because I can guarantee you if we had the access to these same guys in the 80s and 90s, like MJ would be the most loved and most hated person on Twitter by far. Like it's I think that's part of it. But for me, like looking at the basketball, I there are games where I watch a game and it's like they're just coming down shooting threes. It feels like L.A. fitness like. But there are games that are way more beautiful than anything we watched back in the 80s and 90s. Like the skill level, the intelligence of offense now is at a whole different level. It's on a different planet compared to that stuff. And as much as I enjoy defense and I think they need to make some changes to cut down on it a little bit, I don't I don't know if I'm fully on board with like hand checking yet. I think they need to make some types of changes. They need to eliminate the bullshit foul drawing that we see yes. way too much like if you dribble into a guy and snap your head back that's not a foul yeah if you are like <laughs> flailing and throwing up a shot that shouldn't be a foul there needs to be way more physicality allowed because it's gotten to the point where offenses have way too big of an advantage because we now know that three is worth exponentially more than two and teams tailor their offense to that they tailor them to the shots around the rim, to the three-point shots. And if you look at the numbers, that 73-9 and Golden State Warriors team, that was just as recent as 2015-16. They had an offensive rating that would rank 20th in the NBA this season. Like, that's insane. The defensive rating, five years ago, the Bucs defensive rating led the league at 102.5. Five years ago, there were six teams better than the best defense in the NBA this season. Like, the Wolves are at 108 and they're the best defense. Like, I don't think that offense should go unchecked. It does need to be balanced a little bit because we're getting too far out of hand. But for me, it's just a place of where the league is at in terms of the brains, the skills, and the way the game is played now. It's honestly more beautiful than ever. I would I would push back to a slight degree on that just because I do think that the fundamentals of the game have been lost to a certain degree because guys are taking advantage of their elite athleticism. That's yeah. that is part of this. And to Gerald's point, yeah, like the 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 playmaking and 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 really the the cerebral the cerebral nature of some of these players, yeah, it is elevated. But I do think because it's easier to get there when there's not really much of a threat physically on the other side of the of the coin, right? Uh, like Gerald said, you know, a guy takes one dribble. Somebody comes to check them, and they throw their head back, and there's a foul. And you're like, bro, he didn't, he didn't touch them. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and and guys, like, listen, I'm 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 watching high school basketball games, and I'm seeing the same shit yeah. out there that I'm seeing on the, in the NBA because that's what they're learning. It. They're like, they see this, and they think that's the way. And I'm watching AU teams and even high school teams. They. Kids don't even know what a triple threat is anymore. No. Like the fundamentals of the game, it used to be like when 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 a guy was was trying to guard you and and it was you know they were trying to 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 be physical with you. You had to do other things to get the ball, like backdoor cuts, you know, coming off of screens the right way instead of just f- flaring out to the three, you know. And yeah, these are the things that, that I feel like are a little bit missed in today's game. Um, you know, the the little nuances <clears throat> of the game compared to what they did back in the day. So I would like to see a little bit more. I would say the officiating could be better and not falling for a lot of these little ticky tack things that they continuously fall for. I thought that was going to be a point of emphasis this year. They said flopping was going to be a point of emphasis. And I think we saw that a couple times this year and that's about yeah, it. It's, it's, I agree that the, the refing needs to change and, and those kind of things, but 
I don't think you can put the genie back in the bottle. With the way the game's played now, with how spread the court is and different things, I don't know even if you let some of the physicality back in that it changes the offensive side of this because the game is fundamentally different now. Mm -hmm. And I think what it comes down to is nobody's figured out a defensive strategy that works against the way the game's played now. When you're shooting 43s, when you're, uh, you know, when there's no mid-range game anymore. Right, so, it's not, you know, I think, I think some of this has just fundamentally changed yeah. to where it, it's going to take coaches figuring out defensive strategies to, to fight this and, and guys buying into it and playing defense with all this athleticism that's out there now, or the league has to change the three-point line Whoa. and get rid of the corner three. I think those are the two options that you're going to change fundamentally what's going well, on. Well, it's funny because, Gerald, the other day, random, we were talking while watching the game, and I asked you a random question. I said, would you move the three-point line back, mm -hmm. right? That's where I was getting at with this. Mm -hmm. um, it's something that I hate. To Saul's point with AAU, Right, they're worried about playing games, not practicing. That's the mm -hmm. that's the issue mm -hmm. with AAU. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, I got an AAU team. How many games can we cram in for these kids? Mm -hmm. It's not about practice, and so they're not being taught right. They're just being thrown. So how many games can you play in a year? Can you play eighty? Can you play ninety? Can you be on this circuit, that circuit? And so the fundamentals are gone. Another thing that blows my mind is that we've completely eliminated the beauty that I grew up in regards to watching the big man yeah. in the post, beautiful work, Hakeem Olajuwon, Patrick Ewing, Matumbo, you know, uh, on and on, you know, it's gone. Like it's a dying breed. Now you want to see your center shooting 10, 15, like Carl Anthony Towns is shooting how many threes per game this season. But isn't, isn't that because of, the pure fact that the game has changed the way you yeah, play it. It's, the it's, three worth more than two, and, and this analytics mentality has fundamentally changed the approach to the game. But it's not just that. It's, you know, for a long time, guys could body down low and back each other down. Like, I, shit, Charles Barkley, when he was here yeah. in Phoenix, like, that was his go-to move, right? I, I always wonder and think, if Chuck and Shaq were in the league today, with the they, flopping that goes on, the guys that just completely just fall back as soon as they get touched and the refs calling a charge every time, I wonder how effective they really would be in today's game because that's what's changed as well. The way they've the way they've officiated the the paint has drastically different than they used to do it back in the day. So that's I think that that's a legit argument as well. It's part of it, but looking at the free throw attempts like they're down compared to back in those times because yeah, you know, yeah a lot of it like you said there's there's guys not banging in the paint the way that they used to so there's less fouls there there's a lot more jump shots there's less fouls on jump shots than there are on attempts in the paint we know that but my thing is like you look at the bigs and what the skill set's different there's an aesthetic beauty to the mid-range game of michael jordan there's an aesthetic beauty to you know, Shaq and Chuck and these guys that used to be physical and play in the paint like that. But there's also a different skill set now with the bigs. Everybody on the court needs to be able to shoot. In five years, every player that is on the court will have to be able to shoot. Like you look at guys like Rudy Gobert or Clint Capella or whatever, they're kind of the dying breed because they're the closest thing to old school centers as rim running screen setting guys. I don't think that's going to be 
you know, that's that's going to be an outlier in a few years. You're going to look at your big seven footers as more of the Chets and the Victor Wembanyamas yeah. and those type of guys <laughs> that can do a little bit of everything because the game has developed and you need to be skilled no matter what size you are. And the bigger you are, the more emphasis there is on you being skilled because if you can be skilled, like there's there's very little answer for guys like that. So it's it's just it has fundamentally changed the way that we play the game when you have four or five guys that can shoot threes and the, your whole offense is geared toward layups, dunks and three pointers. And that's the development of the game over the over the course of the last 10 to 15 years, though. Mm-hmm. Right. If you start to if if the again, everything changes. Right. If if you start to allow you know, paint play to be a little bit more aggressive and you start teaching, you know, lower post moves again and you get that back implemented into the game, then the next generation starts to learn those things as well. And then we're talking 10 or 15 years from now, whoa, post plays back and this is how it's going to go. You know, I I get the, I get the, you know, shooting and the, and the, the versatility of the bigs and stuff like that. It's all well and good, but it's not nearly as physical as it used to be. And I do think that that makes an impact. Hell, I grew up in the game where like, yeah, shooting a three was cool and it was fun. Um, That's all I did because that's all I could do. I couldn't dunk. But like the reason why I love the NBA was because dudes were trying to dunk on everybody or like trying to, you know, be, you know, be physical with each other. And and that's why I like Michael Jordan so much because it felt like he he was dunking on a new guy every night. And like, I don't see that as much anymore. It's all it's like the way you embarrass somebody is either by crossing them over or shooting a three in their face from like 50 feet. Like it's not even about Um, taking it to the hole and being physical. Here's the thing, G. And and I everybody. Great points. I mean, this this is conversation I love. The game athletically has grown to a whole different level, mm-hmm. right? Guys, listen to what I'm saying. People are pulling up from half court, mm-hmm. and it looks like a free throw. Mm-hmm. Like, Damon in the All-Star game was walking into half court, set, like, boom, no problem. If the game athletically is going to grow, the game on the floor has to evolve, I'm telling you right now, the way the game is going, if they don't move the three-point line, it's only going to get uglier. It's only going to get uglier. I'm saying, you know what? Move that damn line 25 across the whole way. Go from 23-9, take out the corner three, go 25 all across the board. And that's going to make people say, hey, bro, you better better really be able to shoot this. Because if you don't, guess what got to happen? You're going to have to develop a post game. You're going to have to go back down into the block. And you're going to have to incorporate the mid-range game again. Right now, it feels like it's threes or layups. But And, and when you shoot the mid-range, we're a mid-range team. Mm-hmm. When you shoot the mid-range, you, you, you got to have guys that are Devin Booker's, KD's, Brad Beal's, right? Most teams don't have that. And so if on most nights, you watch the Pacers play, man. I mean, it, it, listen, it drives me crazy. It's 130 to 130 every night. To me, that's not basketball. To me, that's but that's to, a professional AAU game. I know that to, <laughs> to you guys, right? to me who grew that's not but that is basketball to this to this generation. And I mm. think the post play, I agree. There needs to be more physicality. But I think part of the reason post play isn't what it used to be is there aren't Joe Kleins and Danny Shays and the Mark Eaton's, these big plotting guys that yeah. that you need to attack with another big body that's more athletic than him. Those guys have been pushed out of the league based on the evolution of athleticism uh, and and the change in just the way 
these guys are built now. It's there. I don't know that there's that same. We need to smash into this guy because he all he can do is stand there. I think that guy's been played out of the game. It's, ah. it's just math. It's just basic math. Like you look at what points you're generating on post ups and on the block and that type of old school game. I don't think the NBA is ever going back to that unless the rules change to where that becomes a, a thing that you can take advantage of. Like threes are just worth more than twos. And if you expand the three point line, my worry is you have to expand the court. If you give these guys more room on the court, oh, that's yeah. more spacing. Yeah. So yeah, you'll probably get more rim attacks, but you'll probably get a ton of threes as well. So I, I just, I'm not really sure there is a fix for it. I think the biggest one is allowing defenders to be more physical and skewing the advantage back in their favor so it's not such an offensively tailored game. Because right now, the advantage we know is yeah. always to the offensive player, you, and that's a problem. Do yeah. you remember when we moved the line to 22 cross the board? Yeah. We did that. Yeah. Why did, awful, do uh, it, Why did we do that? Why did we do that? To get more shooting to and To get more points, offense, yeah. right? And so... To me, they, they also moved it back in at a, a certain point too. And no, they, they, they moved, moved it. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah, they yeah. moved it from twenty three nine to twenty two cross, yeah. and then it was like, no, that ain't it. Let's bring it back, mm -hmm. right? But I feel like they've moved the line. You can't move the line. Let some people in the chat say you can't move the two. You can't move the line. It's been done. You, but if you eliminate corner threes, that's a fundamentally different. Well, no, okay, game, but right? here's my maybe you don't listen. Corner threes, no corner threes. You move the line up to generate more offense. There is a world where you look at this and you're like, damn, we might need to move it back. There's too much offense now. Like, and so I, I'm just saying, look at it. Uh, threes are more than twos. And that's never going to change. Mathematically, it's never going to change. But if this keeps up at this, this rate, at the rate that these fucking guys can score and the rate that they can shoot the basketball, where does it end, man? Like, at what point do are we just, again... The NBA becomes a glorified shooting contest as opposed to a game where you're doing everything. So, Gerald, you made a great point. You said these guys are more skilled. Mm. They're not showing all their skill. They're just fucking shooting. Okay. Well, I don't only... think so, though, because I, I think you look at the offenses they're running. I think they're, they're just shooting. They're man. way more sophisticated than, like, the triangle offense back in the day. They're way more complex because you have guys that can do so many different things and that you can plug into so many different spots. Like, that's... That's what makes the Suns special. That's what makes different teams around the league special is you can plug and play guys in different spots because you need to be able to handle the ball. You need to be able to set screens and shoot threes and drive and do all of these different skill sets. But I think, I think we did all that in the 80s when it was hard. No, 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 no. The fours and fives couldn't dribble for shit. They couldn't do anything other than set screens and be on the block. Like they okay, and rebound. Right. Like this, that's the what, that's game why is Charles so much was more so different. Now. He could do so here's things. the thing. The game when you say the game is more skilled, mm -hmm. I look at it and I say, I, I don't I don't know if I buy that because there's a lot of shooting. There's a lot of dribbling, there's a lot of shooting. Mm -hmm. Okay. But the days of like who's the best who's the best uh, post up guards in look, the league? Look, there's only one way to change this, Who, and it's to go all the way back and have no three pointer where every shot's worth two, <laughs> mm -hmm. and it would fundamentally change things because you said it. Math isn't going to change. Mm, You're yeah. not changing the math. Yeah, you don't add so a the full game, point shot. None no, of that no, the game, is. the game doesn't, it doesn't go back if as long as three is worth more than two, mm -hmm. and it will forever be worth more than two. I, I, I just, so, I, I, I just feel like it went from you can teach kids 
how to post up, how to dribble, how to shoot, how to be physical, all this other stuff. And now I, I really think it's just about, hey, can you dribble? Can you shoot? Well, that's fair. If you can I, dribble and you can shoot, we Gucci. I think that's I think that's another discussion for another time. Okay. Looking at how you could fix youth basketball to lead to changes here, but you know there is a sport faster than basketball. Hmm. It's NASCAR, right? And oh. it's coming to the Valley uh, March 8th through the 10th. It's the Shriner Children's 500 out at Phoenix Raceway. Uh, we got a chance to go out there. I think it's an unbelievable venue. I'd never been out there. I'm looking forward to heading out there for the main event on March 10th. It's going to be a lot of fun, and I think you should head out there too. Get your tickets to the Shriner's Children's 500 at Phoenix Raceway March 8th through the 10th. It promises to be a weekend of good vibes for the whole family. Get your reserved grandstand tickets now at phoenixraceway.com. And if you are in need of some fantastic flooring, our friends over at Empire today have you covered. They have the best in the business and you need to check them out you can get 350 dollars off in new flooring when you visit empiretoday.com slash phnx use that promo code phnx restrictions do apply uh check it out today i want to wrap this up we do we want to do the fun thing or there's a tiny bit of breaking news i don't know really if it qualifies breaking news, which one Just do you say it now? Since you said it was all right, uh, Sham said that Devin Booker is a is a basically a lock for Team USA. Color me not okay, surprised. Cool. Uh, uh, w- one other thing, we'll do this real quick. Uh, in one of the tech conferences uh, that happened recently, this new thing called GameScent uh, is it's an AI device that's going to let you smell game worlds while playing. So you know you're in the in the forest; it'll smell like a forest. I don't know, but what I want to know from you guys is. What smell would you not want to smell while playing NBA 2K? Oh, NBA 2K? NBA or just 2K. sports in general? Uh, let's start with NBA 2K. Then oh, you can go sports oh, in general. Man. I don't know about I don't know, man. I don't know about NBA I don't 2K. know. This is tough. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah, for me, it's man. the locker room because there's always a weird stench when you go in there right after the guys have played a game. If they haven't showered and you got to interview a guy. and that, that's a, I know that's a first world problem, but there's <laughs> some... There's some smell I don't I, I don't want to re-experience <laughs> in my life. You've never did you in ever a basketball interv- locker room? Yes. Have you ever interviewed oh, a guy before man. he showered? It's, yeah. Yeah. It's not yeah, a fun stuff. I have, but I've never it's really not a fun stage. these guys usually take care of their BO pretty good. So they usually shower before, but every once in a while you get a guy that talked to you before he showered. <laughs> mm. I'm good. I never need to smell that again. I don't need to smell it in my video. Dang. Yeah, I mean, I I played against some guys that stink. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, real talk. I played against some guys, and I'm like, "Damn, homie, uh, come on, bro. No. That's why you wide open." But <laughs> what you you seem like you had one from a different game. What's the other? What oh, would you not? Yeah, like fucking hockey locker room is fucking oh, okay, awful. That's oh yeah, that it is, is the work. the yeah. fucking worst. It's worse than football oh. locker rooms, man. Yep. Hockey dudes stink. <laughs> they do. Dude, they stink well, to high heaven. Their equipment. feet are oh. so like wrapped up yeah. that when they take those things oh, off, man. it's just like and they're just sweating from head to toe, all, and all that moisture just in their pads and stuff. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know that I want to play any video game having to smell stuff. No, yeah. Yeah. what are they thinking? Yeah, Why I, is I'm not thing? digging this? <laughs> I'm not we, digging this at all. We've run out of important things apparently to invent, so they're like, "Hey, how can we use AI to make you smell your video game?" That's such a weird idea. Sure, cancer? Yeah. No, we want to smell our video games. God, like damn I'm it. cool if I'm playing like 
NC the new NCAA football and you smell like they, grass? they did they do the the little intro and I smell like maybe popcorn or like okay. you know hot dogs okay. in the air okay. and then not, the grass when they run out like, like that's cool creative. that's cool but yeah. like you once we get to like the locker room the coach is giving a speech you're like oh shit no mm. all right good. so so when I was a, when I was a kid I go to Yankee games right and every time you walk in you had that fresh cut grass smell. Right, that's it's your unique smell. Mm. Um, I would love sitting in front of the game playing MLB twenty five, <laughs> and you put that on, and and you you go to certain stadiums and you smell mm. the stadiums. Like I, I would like Flex that. just mow your lawn. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have no out here. Yo, I, got, I got artificial <laughs> turf out here, man. Oh, okay. A bunch of rocks and stuff. Yeah, so, that's that's rough. Yeah. Burning plastic, <laughs> same. Smell. Yeah, I would I would like that. I think that's dope. Now, if you go into the Suns locker room and you smell some Kush, then you know <laughs> you know who you're talking we, to. I yeah. would like to smell that. That's diff- that's totally. <laughs> different. All right, guys, we spent way too much time on today's episode. Uh, so you can follow Gerald at Gerald Borgay. You can follow Flex at Flex from Jersey. You can follow Saul at Saul underscore Bookman. You can follow the show at PHNX underscore Sons, and you can follow me at Espo. And you know what? I don't feel like you can ever have too much offense. Oi, oi. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com.